Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. And it's time to go inside the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Sponsored by Dos Caras Tequila and presented by the Realty One Group. And Vinny Bonsignor joins us on the phone lines, kicking off hour number three of the show here, Unnecessary Roughness, Red Nation Radio 920. And Vinny was at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, uh, Raiders HQ, a little earlier today uh, when Dave Ziegler, the GM of the Silver and Black, talked to us for about 28, almost 30 minutes. Really good stuff, I thought, from uh, GM Dave Ziegler. And so, uh, Vinny, want to ask you, man, what was your biggest takeaway from what Dave had to say this morning? Yeah, um, I think probably that all options are still on the table, including drafting a quarterback potentially at number seven or maybe even trading up uh, to get that quarterback. Um, you know, and, and I think that's the right approach to have if the right player you know, drops to them at number seven or, or, or drops uh, to within range that they're comfortable trading up to go get them. I think that you have to keep that option on the table because, as, as, as Dave Ziegler said, you're starting to see what the um, benefit is Look at the Bengals and Joe Burrow. Look at the Eagles and, and Jalen Hurts. I know Jalen's now going to get ready to get paid, but there's an argument to be made that both of those teams, the Bengals and the Eagles, uh, got great mileage out of the flexibility provided by great young quarterbacks on rookie deals in terms of being able to build around them. And I think the Raiders want to get to that point really quick where they can find and identify a young quarterback they believe can get them where they want to go to and then use those first few years with that young quarterback to build around them, build a really good team around them, uh, understanding that it's easier to do that when those when those players and quarterbacks are, are playing on rookie deals. So, Vinny, I did a mock draft on uh, Fitz and Harry, and actually I talked to Dave Ziegler about my mock drafts after uh, after the whole I thing see, was said and done. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, anyway, and he's actually seemed pretty like okay with the fact that uh, who I picked, but I didn't give his my answer because well the cameras were rolling. And matter of fact, before he even answered any questions, he asked if we were still rolling, right? Yes, he did actually. See. He wasn't gonna. He wasn't gonna give anybody any uh, any fodder at all. Exactly. So on Fitz and Harry, uh, Anthony Richardson fell to my lap. I didn't trade up to go get him, and then Christian Gonzalez was there as well, and I was torn. I went back and forth multiple times, and finally decided, all right, Anthony Richardson, because how often is a quarterback gonna fall in your lap with that much of a ceiling? How bad of a pick was that in your mind? You know what? Um, I, I, honestly, when you think about it, uh, Q. Um, you know, it, it, it could blow up in their face if they did that, right? But Anthony Richardson is so unique, brings so much um, just rare ability at that position, rare size, rare arm strength, uh, rare speed. Um, you know, the, he brings so much upside that I don't think that if a team rolled the dice there with Anthony Richardson, even at number seven, number five, or, you know, the Seattle Seahawks, uh, you know, in that first uh, round and, and in that first, uh, within that first top ten, I don't think anybody can truly get blamed or fired or anything if they rolled the dice on a quarterback that's so unique and has so much of an upside. I think we all understand, everybody under, knows that there is risk involved. There's risk involved with C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, uh, you know, Peter Skaronsky, anybody that you're talking about, there's risk. Uh, and there is risk with Anthony Richardson based on some of the body of work in the brief time that he was the starting quarterback at Florida. So uh, inherently, you understand that there is that risk. But the upside is so vast that I don't think a team could really get blamed too bad if they roll the dice there because you you could be talking about the next Cam Newton, a guy that absolutely led his team to plenty of playoff appearances and a Super Bowl. You know, and the thing about it, my justification was I didn't trade up. So the Raiders still had 11 draft picks left. I just let it fall to me, and it was he happened to be there, so it was just too good for me to pass up. 
Yeah, and, and exactly, and and that's the case because you can like three years down the line, you might look like a genius, but three years down the line, if it doesn't work out, I think a lot of people would be like, "How can you truly blame them?" I mean, that this is where you are talking, and we were there at the scouting combine, and we stood side to side with him, uh, Q, and we were looking at a quarterback that was built like uh, a defensive end, a tight end, a linebacker. And you're like, holy cow, uh, this is a physical specimen. And he was obviously really smart. He obviously, when you put, throw on the film on, a, on his good days, on his good plays, he does things that very few human beings are, are, are able to do, especially at that position. So uh, that, to me, makes it a safe pick in terms of the finger pointing that might happen down the line if it doesn't work out. Vinny Bonsignor is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Of course, you can check him out in the morning with the morning tailgate. And also on the RJ, putting all his work out, VegasNation.com. The Review Journal, fantastic work. Lindsay's got one for you. The temptation is very real, Vinny, but I'm going to choose to eat my vegetables because I want to draft <laughs> defense early, and I could be tempted to reconsider uh, for offensive line help. Which one is more uh, pertinent area of need in your mind? If we're talking about offensive line and defense, definitely defense. Uh, I mean, and there are some good offensive linemen. Peter Skronsky, who we just mentioned, uh, you know, is, is, is definitely a player to keep an eye on. But I, I just think that the Raiders showed last year that they can get by with the offensive line that they had. They were able to figure it out uh, and still have the 12th best offense in the NFL. It's not perfect. It, do- it definitely needs to be addressed at some point. But I think they, they feel like we could scheme it up. We could get that thing figured out uh, and, and get that at an acceptable level. The real issue around the Raiders, besides trying to find a quarterback of their future, is fixing a defense that has been unattended to for so long. Uh, you know, between the mixture of bad picks, bad free agent signings, some bad trades, all of the above, uh, it's left a, you know, a, a, a roster that's full of holes. And they need to start getting better at that, and they need to start rebuilding that defense. So for those reasons, with pick number seven, if you're not going quarterback, to me it has to be a defensive player, an impact defensive player. Vinny, something that was asked to uh, Dave Ziegler towards the end of his presser today was about Josh Jacobs. I think you might have asked that question, mm-hmm. but about, hey, he did, he's not showing up to those first wave of workouts, but that's because he's not under contract. Mm-hmm. And Dave didn't want to speak on it too much. But how soon should a deal get done? I heard that's, that's, that's a great question, and it might not get done, uh, Devon. It might be, come to a point where you know Josh is going to have to make a decision on whether he wants to – sit out, which I can't see that happening, or just play on the terms uh, of the franchise tag, which is 10, 10, just over $10 million. Uh, so, you know, uh, how quickly it gets done, uh, you know, these deals can happen tomorrow, a week from now, a month from now. I do think it's going to be after the draft once everything kind of settles down, settles down from that. Uh, and I do think there's motivation on both sides to get something done. Both sides have expressed that. Josh has said, hey, I want to be a Raider for life. You have Mark Davis talking about him as the you know, heart and soul of this team. You have Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler uh, speaking about him in terms of we want him around uh, for, for a long time. But at some point, you know, there has to be a meeting of the minds, and both sides have to find that sweet spot. And there's the key. I don't know that that sweet spot exists. I, I can't say that for sure. You know, Josh is going to want what he wants, what he wants. 
And the Raiders, I think, are going to hold firm on what they believe that position is valued at, even as somebody as good as Josh Jacobs. So I can't sit here and say that we're not going to get to September and Josh Jacobs isn't going to be playing on that uh, franchise tag this year. Vinny Bonsignor is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Something else that uh, was talked about quite a bit in the uh, in the, in the the presser earlier with Ziegler, and I believe you mentioned this as, as well, was uh, trading back up into the back end of, of round one and getting another another first-round pick. And, and that's something that I've talked about my gut feeling a couple weeks ago was that that was, was going to happen, and that was just me spitballing. I know I've heard JT mention it as well, but what are your thoughts? What do you think the chances are if, if that player is there, especially with all the ammunition that the Raiders have, that they could package some picks and get back into round one? Yeah, and um, it'd be interesting to see, you know, like, let's just say C.J. Stroud falls to them at number seven, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and let's say, you know, when you're, when you're getting further down in the draft, maybe one of the great cornerbacks or a linebacker that they really want is sitting there uh, at the end of the first round. Do you, do you give up? next year's first-round pick to move back into the first round to get another, especially an impact defensive player, that can help you right now. Because presumably, if Jimmy G stays healthy, he's going to be the quarterback next year. And whatever rookie they bring in at quarterback is going to have to sit and develop, which is not a bad thing necessarily. Uh, but you're not getting anything out of your first-round pick right now, this season. So do you, do, you, do you use next year's first-round pick, especially if you get your quarterback early, to move up uh, back into that first round to get a defensive player, I would definitely not uh, rule that out. But you would have to, you, you know, you probably have to start uh, talking about next year's first round pick to do that. Mitch in New Jersey likes someone called Tuli Tupolo. Too, I'm <laughs> sure I'm butchering his name, but he's from USC as a later round pick for the defense. I'm told that you're a Southern Cal expert. Tell me about this young man and why <laughs> he would be a good fit for hopefully the most improved defense in the league next year. The pride of Hawthorne, California, and Lawndale High School, which, by the way, was the rivals of my uh, wife's uh, when she was going to high school. Hawthorne High, Lawndale didn't, or losing. No, yeah, he went to Lawndale. But he's Hawthorne High and definitely USC. <laughs> get it right, get it right. You got to live with her, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, anybody that's not named Hawthorne, she's got a problem with uh, down in Hawthorne. Uh, so here's the deal. When you, when you look at him, um, I feel like he's getting overlooked a little bit. Uh, this is a guy that had, I think he led the conference in sacks, you know, over 12 sacks uh, last year. He was, he was just um, a, a difference maker on the defensive line. The problem for him is that USC defense was so bad everywhere else that he got overlooked because, you know, they're giving up all these points. And even though he's doing his thing at a really high level, um, you know, he, he wasn't getting, he's not, he hadn't gotten the love because it's like, how good can he possibly be on a defense that, that, that was that bad? Well, he was really good. The rest of the defense, not so much. So I do think that somebody is going to get um, a diamond in the rough and somebody that people probably overlooked a little bit because the production, especially in his last year, uh, last season, uh, was absolutely there. So he has a chance to be one of those sleeper picks that on day two, uh, people are going to look back and go, wow, why wasn't this guy drafted a little bit higher? Let me ask you this, Vinny, when it comes to uh, the young man from USC, did he have an opportunity to come in for local day? Because I know the Raiders have that that range, you know, USC, US, UCLA, obviously here in Las Vegas. Was he one of those that came and had a visit? I don't know for sure, uh, but when I checked on whether or not the USC players had come in, the time that I checked, which was about two weeks ago, uh, they hadn't yet. But okay. uh, I did mention his name, and it wasn't said – there was no something like he's not going to come. So I'm assuming that he was. Okay, there you go. Again, Vinny Bonsignor is our guest here on Red Nation Radio 920. Go ahead, Demont. Keeping it with USC, what about Corey Foreman, the edge that they got coming out? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, he, he's pretty good, too. Um, but I, I am a little suspicious of everyone else on that defense just because it, it, it wasn't, uh, uh, you know, it just wasn't very good. Uh, they've got a, a, a cornerback. Uh, in fact, uh, he's the guy that Q and I was talking about the other day. Uh, grew up in um, East Palo Alto, which is where uh, Devontae Adams is from, and played on the same travel ball team that Devontae played when he was coming up as a basketball player. So uh, keep an eye on that. Uh, I, I, I do like a, a couple of individual players on, on USC's defense, um, but I think it, you know once you get past those couple, uh, it was a bad defense last year. They, they have a lot to improve on on that side of the ball. And then I asked about him because when it comes to guys on the edge, we all know we can point the finger, Max Crosby, hey, he's one of the best in the league. But how much help do they need? Do the Raiders anticipate Chandler Jones to, hey, he's going to have that comeback year? Or should they be looking maybe in the mid-rounds to get someone on the edge? Or maybe higher. I mean, even at number seven, what if it's Ty- if Tyree Wilson is there at number seven? Here's the thing. Um, there's, there's two reasons. There's a couple, multiple reasons why the Raiders really need to find another edge rusher. One is that Chandler Jones, um, you know, there's an expiration date on, on Chandler, and it could be after this year. You know, even if he has a big year, I don't, you know, there's no guarantee that he's going to be back next year. I know he's under contract, but there is an out, um, you know, that they can, they can utilize. So at some point, they're going to have to find, uh, you know, a replacement, a long-term replacement for Chandler Jones opposite Max Crosby. In addition to that, they need to find somebody that they, this year uh, that can split some time with Chandler because I think he's at the point in his career where less snaps might be, a, might be better off for him. You might get better production out of Chandler if he's not playing as much. You just maximize the snaps that he is in on. And conversely, Max Crosby, too. Um, I think that Max Crosby needs a little bit of help. They need to be able to get comfortable with taking Max out of the game from time to time in order to preserve him for later in games and later in the seasons. And one way you do that is by bringing in somebody, uh, hopefully through the draft, uh, that's going to be able to spell Chandler and also spell Max and then be the replacement for Chandler down the road. Vinny, I don't know where the Raiders are standing on Jalen Carter. I know Adam Hill asked uh, Dave Ziegler about Jalen Carter, but less than a week away from the, the start of the draft, I don't know if he gets to number seven, but if he does, what do you think the Raiders do? Yeah, that's a that's a great question because I'm I'm growing more skeptical that he is going to be there mm-hmm. uh, at number seven. Um, you know, especially if the Houston Texans go Will Anderson uh, at number two. Now all of a sudden, because I think some teams were assuming that Will might be there. You know, down at number five uh, because of the way the quarterbacks might play out. That still could happen if teams trade up. Uh, but all of a sudden, you know, uh, uh, if Will's off the board, then Jalen's probably the next best defensive player. And so, does somebody roll the dice? I could definitely see the Seattle Seahawks, by the way, uh, you know, in on him. He kind of feels like a Pete Carroll type of a type of a project player. And they have another first round pick, and they have two second round picks, so they can sort of justify any mistake that they may make on Jalen Carter by saying, yeah, okay, well, it didn't work out, but gosh, our other first-rounder did and our two second-rounders did. So they have a little bit of a safety net there. If he does get to the Raiders, uh, I think the Raiders have a big question uh, to ask. And I, I feel like they know the answer by now. You know, they've done their homework. They brought Jalen in. Uh, they did a lot of research into him. Uh, it's an evaluation that obviously goes beyond just the film, which is, at times when he's rolling right, he's as devastating a player as there is uh, in this draft. 
So it's gone beyond that. We know some of the red flags. We know some of the, the motor issues and the passion issues, the decision-making issues. I feel like they've put all the necessary time in that, and they know what, exactly what they're going to do if he's there at number seven. If you're asking me if they would draft him at number seven, I'm going to lean toward no. If C.J. Stroud falls to three, do the Raiders trade up to take him? That's such a great question. Uh, I, I, I think they should. Um, I think that... I don't think the cost would be, um, you know, uh, as prohibitive, obviously, as going up to number one. Um, I think the guy's a great player. I think he's a guy that you could build a, a team around and get him in here as early as possible. Everything else you, you deal with uh, at the appropriate time in terms of, you know, building your defense and doing all, plugging all those other holes. If you truly feel, and I do feel, that C.J. Stroud can be that kind of a quarterback, if the Raiders feel similarly to that, uh, they they need to do that. Now, the uh, the one caveat is, um, you know, let's say the Colts love Will Levis. Let's say they go or Anthony Richardson, all right? There's a chance. I mean, there's, I mean it might be slim, but there is a path where you can see C.J. Stroud potentially falling to number seven. If, if the Texans and the Cardinals don't get, you know, uh, sufficient enough, uh, you know, calls on trades, then I'm sure the Houston Texans are going to say, well, the heck with it. We're just going to draft Will Anderson and be okay with that, you know, and have, have the, the, the best non-quarterback in this draft. Uh, maybe the Colt, or excuse me, the, the Cardinals draft the next best defensive player. Maybe that's Tyree Wilson. They don't want to trade down too far and lose out on a Tyree Wilson. Uh, then you get to the Colts. And if they're in on Will Levis or Anthony Richardson, there go those two, one of those two quarterbacks. Then at five, we talked about Seattle and maybe Jalen Carter. Six with the Lions, they're probably going to go for uh, a, you know a, a cornerback or, or a defensive lineman. And then boom, if that plays out like that, all of a sudden C.J. Stroud might be there at number seven. So it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. But if obviously, if the Raiders get any inkling whatsoever, and this comes down to some guesswork, some detective work, relying on friends of yours around the league, other front offices as to what the Colts might be thinking. If you feel like, hey, the Colts really like C.J. Stroud, then you would, and you do like C.J. Stroud, you have to get up there to number three to take him. I'll tell you right now, uh, if I were going to take Anthony Richardson at seven for falling to the Raiders, I sure as hell would take C.J. Stroud for exactly. falling to the Raiders at seven. I mean, there would be a no doubt about it. And Vinny, as we close this out, I, I, I would be remiss if I went into the weekend without asking you about the NBA playoffs. The Lake Show and the Grizzlies, they're all locked up at one. I thought that the Lakers missed a huge opportunity with Ja out to go ahead and go up 2-0. What do you think, man? How do you think this series is going to shake? You you know, if he's still out, I guess you still feel good about the Lakers. But here's the thing. For whatever reason, the Grizzlies, and I'll defer to DeMon, uh, our, our resident Grizzlies expert, on this, but it sure seems like they play pretty well without him for some reason. I don't know. It's kind of weird, but they win a lot of games when he's not uh, in the lineup. So I'm not sleeping at all on the John Morant less uh, Grizzlies. Now I will say this: uh, I saw I saw um, uh, LeBron James's presser today, or lack of. Um, he, he he stopped that pretty quick because there were a lot of questions uh, about some of the things that have been said uh, in, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, Memphis by uh, some certain players. And I just wonder if he's going to go to sleep tonight, ready to roll out and score 41, 42 points to get somebody else's respect uh, over there in Memphis, if he's ready to deliver a, a message. And I'll say this, great players like LeBron, I mean, I don't, I, I, I love the bad guy that some, some players play on some teams, 
you know, especially the role that you could play for your team to kind of get, get your guys hyped up. But you better be careful sometimes because you poke the wrong lion and all of a sudden you're going to get bit. And, uh, and I, I would not rule that out happening tomorrow. Dylan Brooks has already said he don't mind poking bears. So, I mean. And that's, I love him for that, man. I truly, truly love him for that. I think he's uh, playing an effective role. That Draymond Green, somebody has to do it on some teams. And, and he's willing to do it, and I respect the hell out of him for doing that. But there's certain players that you just, just got to be careful with. I think that he's trying to do his best version of Lance Stevenson, right? When Lance oh, Stevenson blew in the, the ear. ear. Yeah, and all Brilliant. that stuff. By the way, I saw him at Joe's not too long ago hey, over the Caesars it. Palace, so there's that, so drop that name. But anyway, uh, yeah, I think he's trying to do his best version of Lance Stevenson, and I don't think that Dylan Brooks, I don't think he's got the, I don't think he's got the stones to be able to pull that off, right? I think he's, I think he's good, and he is playing his best Draymond Green. I just don't think he's got the stones to pull that off. Yeah, um, he's going to have to rely on a bad game from LeBron because if LeBron, if LeBron plays the type of game, if he's aggressive, um, and if he's is motivated, which I, th- I think he is. You know, the great ones, all right, you know, I, I get it. I get what you're trying to do, but you don't, you don't, you're not making a name off of me, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and Richard Pryor had that old saying, you poke an old guy, he might take his, his bad leg off and wear you out. With it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what Richard Pryor line you were going with. I was like, hold up, Vinny, we're on the radio. Hey, you're supposed I, to be. Oh, I cleaned it up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, LeBron, he's supposed to be the go. But yeah, uh, LeBron might take that bad leg off uh, and wear his butt off with it. There so you go. We'll see. He wants to say he's one of the greatest of all time. He's supposed to be the golden eagle. And Dylan Brooks get in his head. That shows that he's weak-minded to me. He oh. had to cut that press conference short. They asked him about Dylan Brooks. He clammed up. He said, I got to get out of here. I'm getting hot under the collar. That's what it looked like to me. Well, if that's how you want to read into it. <laughs> right. That part. Thank you. That was the best that's answer ever. Yeah. If that's, what you're, if that's how you're picking it up, right. They said Dylan Brooks. He said, I got to skedaddle. <laughs> Unbelievable. We well, shall see. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it should be fun. It should be interesting. The NBA playoffs are fun. If the officials, the referees, can stay out the damn way and stop trying to dictate how every single game goes and kick people out for one thing and don't kick others out for others, it's just that's the most frustrating part of the playoffs to me so far is the terrible – uh, inconsistency when it comes to officiating. I, I completely agree. And uh, for us old heads who saw guys get clotheslined right. in, in, in playoff game, this is the playoffs. Let these dudes play, especially after all the load. Everybody should be ready to go right now. Like, yep. and, and, and it needs to be full tilt, and the referees need to get out of the way and let these guys play. And, um, you know, whoever uh, the last person is standing, that's the champion. But But the referees need not – play a huge role in it and so far they have and that's really disappointing yeah no i agree 100 percent. well great stuff as always Vinny, man definitely appreciate you what you got coming out on the rj that we should be on the lookout for yep writing about um the whole quarterback situation and uh, jimmy g does not preclude them uh from from taking a quarterback if they feel the right one is where uh is, is on the board when they come picking at number seven or as Lindsay alluded to, maybe trading up to go get. Boom. There it is right there. Well, Vinny, thanks so much, man. I definitely appreciate you. Have a fantastic weekend. Of course, love uh, love hearing you on the radio. We'll hear you on Monday morning. We appreciate you. All right, guys. Have a good one. All right. There he goes. Vinny Bonsignor, Radio Nation Radio 920, morning tailgate, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. Check him out. Of course, RJ as well and was at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Raiders HQ a little earlier, and uh, there you go, man. A lot of good stuff. And, again, I think one of the biggest takeaways, and we'll hear from Dave Ziegler on the other side, one of the biggest takeaways that I had, at least from the presser, was that there's nothing that's been ruled out yet. Right. Well, you know? there's a lot of areas of need. Well, a lot I mean, yeah, of that, ways we can exactly. improve this team. Yeah, no, that's true. And that's, 
it's a gift and a curse, right? Yep. I mean, the, the gift is that you have so many different options, different ways you can go. The curse is you have so many different options and so many different ways you can go because you have to. Right. You can be wrong multiple ways. You can be right multiple ways. Some might pay off this year. Some might take a couple more years. But regardless, they got to make the picks. And we have to be okay with it to a degree. I think there's a lot of uh, struggle with this fan base as well, just kind of going with what is and, and what's inevitable when you have these people in place uh, and at the at the helm. I'm excited about it. Again, this is really the first year uh, Dave Ziegler has an opportunity to really put his thumbprint on this team. Yeah. I mean, last year, obviously trading the first and second round pick for Devontae Adams, Great idea. That was fantastic. Obviously, we saw uh, what that looked like one year in the in, in the system, so I believe it's going to be even better this upcoming year. But this year, with a handful of picks like he has, 12 of them, mm-hmm. he really could put, like I said, his thumbprint, his impression, uh, his personality into what this team is supposed to look like. So I'm excited about that and also excited to hear from him. You'll hear from him next as uh, we had an opportunity to meet up with him earlier today. Uh, got a couple little sound bites that we'll uh, hear and then we'll break down. Coming up next here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Chimes. Play the chimes. Q's on the clock. What do you got, Q? With the seventh pick in the 2023 Fitz and Harry mock draft, the Las Vegas Raiders select Anthony Richardson, quarterback, Florida. No! No, 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 and more no. Q, you my boy, Blue. You're my boy, Blue. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. One of the funniest rejoiners we have around here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. That was my pick on Fitz and Harry. I went with Anthony Richardson over Christian Gonzalez. Robin Oakland hit us up. Picking Richardson at number seven is tempting because we have to deal with Mahomes, Herbert, and Sean Payton's next quarterback. He said next quarterback, yeah. not current. Alrighty. Then Allen, Burrow, and Hurts stand in the way. 20 years ago, I'd have been all over Richardson's potential. But nurturing draft picks into high-level players is very complicated and inconsistent. If we believe we can nurture Anthony Richardson into a starter, why don't we believe we can nurture Jalen Carter into a hard worker and responsible driver? That's Rob in Oakland. Lindsay, I ask wow. you. Wow. That's deep. That is a, that is and a I'm deep not question. Really, and I'm not a big proponent on nurturing anybody, right? right. I don't even think that— supposed to be a finished product by I, time No, I don't, here, think right? that, I don't even think Anthony Richardson needs to be nurtured. I think Anthony Richardson just has to learn, right? But nurturing, to me, I, I take it from a father's point of view, almost like I'm, I'm, I'm coddling him, you know, holding on to him tight and kind of sure. kind of having to father him. So you're Where saying I don't think if, I have to if father the kid Anthony was Richardson. crying, you're going to let him cry it out rather than come in and try to regulate I'm going to say, yourself. hey, boy, what are you crying for? Okay. <laughs> All righty. Shut just, it on down. I'm trying to watch the game. You know, it's funny. Real quick, my, my son uh, would come in sometimes. I'd be watching the, the Raider game, and uh, I'd be sitting there, and he'd be like, Dad, can I go outside? I was like, well, I don't care. Go. You know? Daddy's busy. <laughs> yeah. The game's on. And then one, one time, so so I'm watching the game. He's outside playing, and someone came to the door, right? So mm-hmm. I'm coming to knock on the door, and, he was, and, and I didn't answer because I knew it was BS. So I was like, there ain't nobody at the door that I, I need to talk to. My son will walk in. So the guy's knocking and still at the door. My son comes in and is like, Dad, there's a guy at the door. Right. And I was like, who is it? And it's like some, it's like. Salesman. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, man. Encyclopedias. So I get, up, I get up off the couch. I was like, we don't want none. Whap. <laughs> Watching the game, damn it. Get off my porch. Yeah, exactly. So there was that. No, but you're right in terms of like hand holding and the different degrees of that. Right. Because I, I just don't equate those two in terms of learning a system, learning how to be a professional on the field versus can you get to meetings on time? Right. Are you making I think there's a difference, adult, right? I mean, there's a huge, yeah. huge difference. 
And and that just speaks, I think, maturity wise and and people make mistakes. People have moments where they they make a really poor decision and not always where the consequences come back on them. And uh, I don't know if this is the nurturing environment that everybody says it is quite yet. And And I think that's where you're seeing what this draft class can be, because it's not just who they're going to bring in and how they're going to learn. They themselves are going to be are going to be uh, shepherds of that culture that they're trying to build. And a lot of that is contingent on their success because once you see people, they were able to come in, have success. Well, I can buy in. This is this mm-hmm. is something that makes sense to me. There's a system now. And I think that's still that, that proving ground. And I think you need to have that better established, especially if you're going to bring in players like Jalen Carter who need a little bit different type of hand-holding because he's going to have to adjust to the game as well. Exactly. So, so my thing is, you know, when it comes to Anthony Richardson, I think the biggest questions will be like, okay, can he pick up the system? Can yeah. he be an efficient quarterback in the NFL? When it comes to Jalen Carter, it's like, is he going to go to the lunchroom on time? Is he going to go to meetings on time? Is he going to uh, actually Watch study film. at night? Or is yeah. he going to be Kyler Murraying it up and playing video games? Yep. What is he going to do? And I don't know him from Adam, so I can't say what he's going to do. Right. Right. All I know is what is being said about Anthony Richardson. Uh, that he's a hell of a leader, that he's a guy that's very intelligent, that he's a guy that's going to work hard. I can appreciate that. And if you can do all that and you still don't succeed at your level, I'm okay with taking that L. Yeah. As opposed to, well, you bet on the guy who, well, you already knew that there was issues coming in and he, and he failed. So, But that's just me. That doesn't mean that I'm correct. We'd love to hear from you. 702-365-9200. We got probably about uh, 13 or so minutes left in the show. We got a, a break a little early as uh, Aviator Baseball is going to close us out this week. But let's go out to the phone lines, talk to a friend that's very passionate. Passionate Raider, welcome to the show. What's on your mind? What's up, Q? What's up, Jamada? What's up, uh, Cameron Lindsay? What's up, Lindsay? What up? Hey. What's up, man? First, Q, I want to just give a shout-out to Heidi, man, you know. Whatever, Heidi, I love listening to you, man. You was real. It was great getting to meet you, man. And I always, I loved your passion. I loved your heart. I loved your, everything you brought to the table with your pictures. Just everything you did, you grinded for Raider Nation. And you'll always have respect in my heart. You, on another hand, man, you know, after listening to Ziggler today, you know, I, I just, I just kind of find it best if I don't listen to them. Because for some reason, they just make me mad, man. And, and I don't know. So, and I just don't want to. I just want to see Josh be who he claims he's to be. And I'm with you, Q. The best pick of the draft, if, if, if Richardson can be there at seven and you don't have to trade up and give anything away and you can grab him, the team is set up. The team is already in place. If you look at the Patriots, they really never had superstar names. They made names when they were on the Patriots and went elsewhere and got paid, and Bill always kept one or two of them around to mold. So it's about making a name this year. They've got depth position players. Who want who wants it, man? Who do you want to come to Vegas and be a loser? Do you want to come to Vegas and be laughed at? Do you want to come have a opposing team and fans keep coming in and clowning the stadium? No. So I just I just really hope that these aren't the guys that Josh has. And like I told you last week when I called, this pick is gonna prove who this organization is moving forward here on out, Q. That's all I got today, man. So I really hope it, it's I, – I, 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 I can't knock the defensive guy, but I just don't think he's going to be the one to put the work in that we need. I just don't think it's the timing in our culture that we need. We need someone who's going to come in from day one and put their foot down and take control of this team moving forward because it has to happen it has to cue 
I'll let you later, man. Later. Passionate Raider right there. And I'll say Shocker. this. I know. I thought he was going to give us the let's go Raiders. But he didn't give us that one. Hey, so it's okay. It's Friday. It's Friday. He's saving chilling. it for the weekend. I'll say this, though. He said that this. he thinks this, this pick is going to define... The Raiders, yeah. I think this draft Thousand is going to define the Raiders. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's Again, it's we get caught up and infatuated with round one, round two, yep. but very rarely do we drift into round three, four, five. I mean, look, you got 12 draft picks. This draft is going to define who the Raiders are, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and, and it's really going to set the tone with, as I just mentioned a few minutes ago, of what this locker room is going to mean to each other. And, and just that buy-in that you have when teammates are willing to show up at 5 a.m. to do the to do the tape and get an extra workout and, and see that example and, and want to push that along. And so it's exciting to see, but, man, what a what an unsure time for a lot of these fans is you're right. trying to, you know, resubscribe to this for another year. And I, mm-hmm. we've heard them say, well, enough of the process. It's been 20 right. years. Well, you're either, off, you're either on the boat or you're off. Right, and the thing is, it's – not Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels and Champ Kelly, yeah. and it's not their fault that the process has been Correct. twenty-something years. They've only been here since last year. So, unfortunately for the fan base, they've got to press the reset button every time that this happens. Yeah, and also something that Lindsay that you just said, where it's about this process, and also it's not the past twenty years. But to me, this draft, it's that's when people say it's so much of a crapshoot, is because people aren't looking at who could be that diamond in the rough in the fourth round. That it's that it is that immediate gratification of if you draft someone in the first round hey this guy's supposed to be our next perennial pro bowler right. if we draft him in the first round right so that is why people are so hey this first round for the draft but listening to our callers you would think that the draft ends after the first round if, Who is if that was the case max crosby wouldn't be a raider exactly Facts. so it is just where that that's why it is this is going to make or break this raiders regime or because who can they get on this team when i said a couple of weeks ago after we got the text about hey one hall of famer or just three solid guys They need more than three solid guys in this draft because we got that first rounder. Okay, sure. Whoever they take in the first round, whether it be a quarterback or someone that could be potentially a day one starter on defense, it's got to be those hits in the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth. I don't think they're going to use all 12, but then the undrafted free agent Mm -hmm. pool as well, where it's all collective and it's not just, hey, I think that this draft is going to be a success because they took the defensive player of my choice in the first round. I'll tell you right now, when they introduce the, the draft picks to the media, it's not going to be the first round pick and that's it. No. Right? It's going to be the whole draft class. And that's what it is. Again, when we look back, hopefully three, four, five years from now, we look back and say, wow, 2023 was an awesome draft class. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, going back to even when Carr was drafted in, in, in not, not Carr's year. Uh, yeah, 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 Carr's him, year. Khalil yeah, yeah. Mack. Yeah, Khalil Gabe Jackson. Mack, Carr. Yeah, Gabe Jackson. I mean, Latavius Murray late. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, they, mm-hmm. that was a class that you could look back and be like, wow. That was a good one. 19, right? You got Josh Jacobs, got Max Crosby, got Hunter Renfro, right? I mean, those, that was a good class for those three, right? Obviously, they had the miss when it came to Clee, Abram. Trayvon Mullen I thought was decent, you know, He's but right. it just didn't you know, work out in the long haul. He got injured. But, yeah, you could see guys that you could point out and say, hey, those were some dudes in that class, and that's what matters. Now, Dave Ziegler did talk earlier today. I wanted to get a couple sound bites before we sign off. And the first one was just on draft philosophy because we've gone back and forth quite a bit here on the show and on the station and just in general when we're sitting around the bar talking, right? So here's Dave Ziegler talking about draft philosophy when it comes to best player available versus the, the need position. We, you know, we talked about it last year. We're focused on taking the best player available. 
I think, um, you know, where our roster's at, you know, and, and our want to improve competition at every position, and um, that leaves us open to that. Now, I would also say, and I would caveat that by saying when you talk about best available player, um, best available player, there's a lot of different things that encompass that. It's not just tape. And so it's the best fit for the Raiders. Um, and, and there's different things that go into that, whether it's, you know, the football intelligence piece, um, football character. There's different things that go into that that makes that player the best available player for each individual organization. I think that sometimes can get lost. And so that's what it means for us, uh, the best available player that's the best player for the Raiders organization and fits what we're looking for. And um, we're going to keep we're going to stay true to that process and stay open to that. So there you go. It's a little bit, I always say it's always, you know, best player available in position and need. And he really kind of uh, narrowed it down to best p- player available for what the Raiders want to do. Right. So that's a great way to say yes to all of the above. Right, right. Exactly. It's basically a good <laughs> way of saying. We are going to pick the best one that fits in our scheme. Like basically everything's wide open. Yeah, everything's wide open. But it also, because some, when people say best player available, let's just say for the Raiders for as example, Receiver, even if the best player that would be sitting there at number seven, oh, man, that guy's a really good receiver. Well, maybe not for the Raiders because they definitely don't need a receiver at mm-hmm. this point. So I know that with a team that has a lot of needs, they they can't be picky on anyone, but it does make sense in that philosophy because if you do have, hey, the best receiver available, but that's not what the Raiders need right now. No, no. I mean, if, if anything, they're going to go with the best defensive player because they need so many different positions. And so that's when I start to go back to look at the board like, okay, well, who's the highest ranked defensive lineman? Is that a Tyree Wilson? Is that a Jalen Carter? Who's the highest ranked cornerback? Is that a Christian Gonzalez? Is that a Witherspoon? Is that a Porter? Whatever the case may be. All right. And now when you look at all of those, who's ranked highest out of all of those? And then right. that's when you make the selection. And that's why I'm good with wherever they go. If they go defensive line and that's their guy, great. If they go corner and that's their guy, that's even better. That's fine, too, right? It's all good because you need all of that. So how about priorities? And I think Willie might have been the one that asked this question, Willie Ramirez. Uh, priority at the number seven overall pick. I think the priority is, is finding one, someone that's going to have an impact. You know, you want to find a starting level player at that spot. There, there's no doubt about that. And, and I think along with that, you want to find a player um, that fits, um, one, um, hopefully fits a need that you have. Right. I mean, you're going we're going to look at the best available players, but we also have a lot of places on this team where we can add competition and we can add people that can help our roster. Um, And we want to find a player that fits what we look for in a Raiders player. We want to find someone that has a passion for football. We want to find someone that, um, you know, is is someone that um, has some upside, that has some explosiveness to their game um, that, that can that can impact the game in a positive way. And that's going to fit our organization, I'd say, and have a positive impact on the organization as a person, too. Um, so those are some of the things that, you know, we'll be dialed in on. So there's Dave Ziegler right there, and, and he's talking about, and that kind of goes back to the text that we got about an impact player. But he didn't necessarily say the impact player has to be right now. He did say starter, but he didn't necessarily say starter right now. I mean, sometimes you gotta you gotta listen a little bit deeper because he didn't say a starter day one. He just said an impact player as a starter. And if you do get a quarterback, regardless who you get, that could be. A, you're hoping that that's an impact player and a starter at some point. I would think that I would want that pressure though. If I'm a player being taken, I would want that expectation. But then again, I don't know. Like psychologically, mm-hmm. what what do you think is a, a bigger pressure point by saying? We expect things from you right now, or you have time. Because that's, that's a different I think, ask, right? I think if you're worth the salt, if you're a really good player or a really good just person in general, even in our business, I feel like it's one of those you are going to go in with the expectations of, okay, they picked me. Yeah, they got someone in front of me, but at the same time, 
I know how good I am. I'm going to go out there and, and earn my way onto the field. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's kind of how I feel like that that if you go and get a quarterback, yeah, Jimmy G's there, but maybe I'm a quarterback that thinks, you know what, damn it, I could start right now. I could play right now. Mm-hmm. So let me get to camp and show them. I mean, look, Derek Carr did it. In, that's in, true. In, Russell in Wilson rookie, did it. Right. But in Carr's rookie year, Matt Schaub was, was giving free agency money to yeah. be the guy, right? And then in the last preseason game, preseason game number four that never matters – Against Seattle, because there was a couple starters out there, including Richard Sherman, Carr looked pretty good, and they gave him the starting job, and he you was the starter the like rest of the career. overwhelmingly conclusive that you're that much better for someone to be pushed maybe, aside. Maybe, maybe. Because Carr, in my opinion, They're going to push aside the Lort, Jimmy Garoppolo. They, You'd have to be, you have to be markedly, like, two full grades better than Jimmy. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. But when you have a guy like Richardson, who only has 13 career starts in his, under his belt— that's okay not to start right away. I just, I just get scared. It's like Trubisky. All right. Jimmy G, lessons pressure. Does Jimmy G lessen pressure? We will not get to that. <laughs> DeMond just <laughs> waved me off. DeMond is ready to go. DeMond just called an audible. <laughs> That's a no. DeMond said, uh, kill, kill, kill. Kill, kill, kill. <laughs> I'm giving signals. I'm putting up the hands. I mean. I mean, you gave me two minutes. This is a 30 second sound bite, but it's all good. I, hey, kill, kill, kill. We'll roll with the audible. Play two, play two. What that is, that means we're done. Got the Aviators baseball on the radio next. Our guy Danny's ready to run in here and handle it. Lindsay, thank you so much. Fantastic job. Thanks for having me. Great job on the wheels of steel. Thank you to Ryan Fowler, Colin Dunlap, David Harrison, and Vinny Bonsignor. And, of course, you, Raider Nation. Have a fantastic weekend. We'll be back on Monday. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. Tuesday, take four days off, throw another 100 pitches. I didn't have any, like, sort of routine sort of thing. So it really started in college, like, before starts, like, getting a good warm-up routine together. And then it just kind of kept building from there. I mean, through the years, I've talked with hundreds of players, picked their minds, like, why do you do that? Why do you do this? Like, does that help you there? So it's really this combination of stuff that I learned in college and then guys that I've talked to recently just kind of piling stuff together that I like that can help me feel the best each day and I take pride in my warm-up I mean I take 30-45 minutes before I even start even plyos and bands and stuff for throwing so I mean, we only get one body you get one arm you got to make the best of it it's the most unnatural thing in sport just throwing a baseball I mean so he's got to do I gotta make sure I'm on top of that stuff so that you know each start I feel as best as I can, even though, you know, 10 starts, you might have three, you feel really good, and the next six are like, ah, gosh, here's here's going to be a struggle today, but, you know, it just comes down to having a plan each day, like the journal, I start writing stuff down, like what I did today, what I did today.